Can you hear me now? All right. That was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> Somebody's got to break the tension in the air in here, guys. I don't, and if it's me, that's all right. No problem. Good job, choir. Excellent job. There you go. Thank you, Ed. Didn't they do a great job all through Christmas? I don't know how much you enjoyed them, but I enjoyed them marvelously. And it's good to see all of you this morning. How many of you would rather be here than the finest snowstorm Union County has to offer? <laughs> Stick around. They tell me it's coming, but I'm not sure if it's coming or not. And uh, we'll see. And um, so I'm going to try to not let this sound bother me this morning. But um, here we go. So I hope you got what you wanted for Christmas. Yeah? Yeah? Good, good. And, and I hope you're already being good for next year. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. He's watching. And I'm not talking about Santa. Uh, anyway, I am glad to see you. Thank you for being here this morning. I want to thank you for being in God's house. I know this is an unusual time, uh, being holiday stuff and, and all that kind of stuff. But also, uh, we just have ourselves a real opportunity here that I want to point out to you. And that's to what? Love God, love others, and serve both, right? Okay, this whole opportunity has just came upon us on January the 1st. We get to start over. I love that starting over because I usually mess up so bad, so I'm glad that I get to start over. So New Year's is kind of a new beginning, a new start, so to speak, and we get to do that knowing that we can love God, love others, and serve both. Now, I want to encourage you, you know, we're kind of in an interesting situation between uh, pastors. So what I want you to see is this. First of all, I have a tremendous opportunity today, and I'm so grateful, and I'm so in awe of this opportunity, and I don't take this lightly that I, of all people, would have the opportunity to speak to you at the end of Pastor Fred's ministry here, and before an interim comes on board next Sunday. It's just an interesting spot to be in, and I'm grateful that I get to do that, because there's so much that I want to say to you, so much that I want to point out to you. But one thing I want to point out to you is this. Pray for our pastor search team. We are continuing to seek God's heart. We are continuing to seek God's man for this congregation, and God already has that man chosen. Now, he spoke to me about that this morning. I'm going to share that with you in just a few moments, okay? I want to encourage you to be praying for our staff. This is a new spot for them. This is a place that they have not been in 16 years. Have you noticed that? Um, and so be praying for them. I know that I know that I know they're going to do everything right and perfectly. That's not too much of a uh, pressure, is it, Derek? <laughs> Just a little bit? No. Uh, so be praying for them because God has them in a very special place. Um, I'm between two godly men. As I said, I want to uh, offer the church congratulations as well. Thank you for the way that you helped Pastor Fred to exit. That was one of the most beautiful and honorable and amazing exits I have ever seen. I'm 64 years old, and I have seen a lot of pastors exit the pulpit and exit their ministry and their churches, but I have never seen one as graceful and as honorable and as God-honoring as what I saw with Pastor Fred. And I, I want you to know you just did it, and you did it upright, and I'm grateful 
for you. So God bless you. Now, um, I want to encourage you also that there is no need to worry. I'm a little concerned. Uh, you, you guys have been awful quiet this morning. Um, yeah, I, I can assure you, I love Pastor Fred, my absolute favorite pastor of all time. I'm going to just share that with you. But I don't think that because he's my favorite pastor and he did such a wonderful job and he's not here today, that the roof's going to cave in. I want you to know that. It's okay for you to breathe. <gasps> it's okay for you to laugh. How many of y'all believe Jesus laughed? I know he did. I mean, look at us. <laughs> he had to, didn't he? Okay, well, I just want you to loosen up a little bit. Now, I, I could tell you all kinds of jokes, and I could even, I even thought about, well, I'll get you to stand up and reach over and, and massage the guy next to you, massage their shoulders and all that stuff, but I don't want anybody to leave with COVID or anything like that. So, and, you know, COVID's breathing down our necks. I'm so um, cautious. <laughs> I'll just say that. I've, I've been... Uh, Never mind. I won't go there. Let's move on with the scripture, okay? That's a good idea. I want you to see some things. Thanks, Eric, for reading all that scripture. Man, that was a long scripture, but every piece of it needed to be read. I hope that you understand that. Well, I'm going to share some things with you this morning that, that I hope you'll understand now why this scripture applies to First Baptist Church of Blairsville, why it applies to First Baptist Church Union County, and specifically us because of the place that we find ourselves right now. Okay, turn over, if you would, to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, that's where Eric read. This is my absolute favorite part of Scripture that I ever preach, that I ever read, because it's so encouraging to me as a minister and as a pastor and as a counselor, as just a regular Christian. So I'm so grateful that God put this in there. But I want to give you a little background if I could, okay? So all of a sudden we see that Moses, who was the man that God had appointed to take the children of Israel to the promised land are actually not having, he's not going to get to go into the promised land. He led them there and then he stopped there because of something that he did. It was disobedience. He failed to obey the Lord when the Lord said, speak to this rock and it'll gush forth water. Moses walked up in anger and he hit the rock with a, a stick, a branch or something like that. Now, the rock still flowed water, but Moses was disobedient to God in doing that. Now, the water still poured out, but because of the fact that Moses was disobedient, he was not allowed to move into the promised land with the nation of Israel. Now, in Deuteronomy 34, there's a little bit of background here. I want to point out to you this, that Moses died. Moses died in Moab. The scripture says this was such a peculiar death that no one even knows where his grave is. Now listen to this. I, I saw this in the scripture. He died at 120 years old, yet his eyes were not weak. He died at 120, yet he had not lost his strength. Well, what was going on with Moses? God was ready to move him on. God was ready to bring someone else into leadership there among those people. Now, our pastor didn't die or anything like that. Sometimes he probably felt like he was dying. God bless him. Uh, that long in ministry is just amazing. That's a long time. And you have to be called 
if you're going to serve like Pastor Fred served that long. But all of a sudden there's a change in leadership. And that's what we're looking at is a change in leadership. So we get in there to um, Joshua chapter one, or, or actually Deuteronomy 34 verse nine says this. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him so the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that God might have been in the process of preparing these people? Do you think that God might have been in the process of preparing a man to step up into leadership? Obviously, God already knew what was going on. God already knew what was going to happen. And he was in the process of preparing the nation of Israel to do that. So, what did he say to them? He said to, this, to them this. I want you to see this. Verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I want you to pay very, very close attention to this next phrase. And he said, now then, you and all these people, get ready. Now, I don't know what that does for you, but that just lights my fire. Joshua, you and all these people that I've, I've made this promise of the promised land to, get ready, guys, because it's a coming. So if there's one thing I needed to say to First Baptist Church of Blairsville, it would be just this. People, get ready. That was so lame. <laughs> that was so weak. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God's not going to allow you to just sit there and say, oh, serve me, God. There's a part you have to play. I want to make sure and point that out. So that was an aside. But the first thing I want you to see is this, the people of God. He said, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Now, that shows to us that to me, the, the spiritual life that he was talking to the Israelites was about the big old nation of Israel. It wasn't just about 12 spies. It wasn't just about two that said, yes, let's move ahead. It wasn't about this one or that one or this tribe or that tribe. It was about the whole people. Now, I want to tell you this this morning that God is at work among us. Now, when I was studying experiencing God, the number one reality in experiencing God was this. God is always at work around you. Number two was God invites you to become involved with him in this work. Now, what would I say to First Baptist Church about that? I would say this, God is always at work around us. Number two, God invites us to become involved with him in his work. But I would go so far as to say, God's not gonna force you. So, you gotta do something. Now, God's at work, and if we're not going to allow him to work here, he'll go over there and work. That one was lame, too. If God, if we don't allow God to work here, he will go over there and work. So, God's at work among us. I can tell you, that the face of this church is constantly changing as well. Did you know we moved here about three and a half years ago? 
It, it took a little time to get to know the majority of people in here, but just as soon as we get to know some people in here, they start moving away. Or they, they God forbid, die or, or something move on into their heavenly home and all that kind of stuff. Or new people move in, new people move out, old people move out, all that kind of stuff. This congregation's face is constantly changing, but God knows the face of this congregation. And he has chosen this people to do something very special. Now, I want to share this with you. God has a special group that he's about to lead into the promised land. This is for First Baptist. It's the land that was promised to a man named Pastor Buck Buchanan. A man whom I've grown to admire but never knew. It's the land that was promised to a man named Pastor Danny Paris. Another man whom I've grown to admire but have never known. And a man named Pastor Fred Lodge, whom I've grown to admire and love as my pastor and has nurtured me and discipled me and loved me back. But now here we are together in this situation. The promise is still there. The people of God are still here. We're going to be the beneficiaries of what God promised all these other guys. The vision that he gave these guys, we're going to be the beneficiaries of that. And I want you to understand that this morning. But... There's also another person coming to lead us. Now, this is where I almost had a wreck this morning. I was telling Brother Bob Crow that the Holy Spirit got a hold of me big time when I was coming to church. And I was going over the message in, in my mind. And the very first point was that the people of God. And then all of a sudden I said, and now the next one is, and, and point two kind of skipped me for a minute. And it hit me, point two should be something different now than what you put down there. So with all due respect, those who type our notes and, and those who, who make our graphics and all those kind of stuff, I'm going to slip something in if you don't mind. Let's call it 1A <laughs> because we've got a two. 1A is this, well, not only do we recognize the people of God, but we see that there is a person of God. A person, God's person here was who? Joshua. God has a person for First Baptist. Who is it? I don't know. We're searching that out. But I don't get frustrated if I don't know who that is yet. What I do recognize is the fact that God knows. God has already chosen. God has already prepared. Now it's up to us, search team and congregation, and deacons and leadership to find out who that man is. And I believe that God is going to make that perfectly clear. God's not in panic up in heaven, y'all. He knows what's going on. He knows who it's going to be. So what would he say to you, the people of God? Relax. I can tell you, having never served on a pastor search team, it's been interesting, to say the least. We've gotten instructions, and we've gotten destructions, and we've gotten recommendations, and we've got mandates, and we've gotten all this, that, and the other. But, and let me tell you, with all due respect, as much as I love you, being on the search team, what Holy Spirit says is much more important than what anybody else says. Recognize that. And we're seeking God's heart in this. So there's the people of God as number one. One A was the person of God. And number two, here we go, is the plan of God. 
God has a plan for us. And I've kind of put over to the, the side of my notes that God has a, quote, to-do list for us. A to-do list. What is it? Well, we're going to start in verse 6, okay? First of all, verse 6 says that we should be strong and courageous. Repeat that with me. Be strong and Very good. Excellent. Now, one other thing that God said was verse 9. And he said, have I not commanded you, say it with me, be strong and All right, then um, number three, he said, didn't I tell you, say it again. Very good. You think God's trying to get something across to us? You know, when Ben was growing up, he still got a ways to go. Had to slide that in there for his sake. You know, he's always going to say, Dad, quit using me as a sermon illustration. Well, if I don't use you, I have to use your mom, and you don't live with me anymore. So <laughs> that's kind of the way it goes, right? So when, when, when we were telling our children something they needed to do, we found that the most effective way to get that across to them was probably repetition. We could get that point through, through repetition, and we could say to them, do this. Didn't I tell you to do this? I have told you to do this. And God says to us, the people at First Baptist Blairsville, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Wait a minute. Be strong and courageous. I think he's trying to get a point across to us to be strong and courageous. What does it mean then to be strong and courageous? Here we go. Trusting in the Lord as our true source of strength. True source. You notice that? Trusting in the Lord as our guard. Trusting in the Lord as our guide. Trusting in the Lord as our safety. Basically, being strong and courageous means trusting in the Lord. Now, I did a little research, and I found this uh, statement, and I loved it, so I'm going to adapt it. You remember teaching your child to ride a bike? Yeah, you, you put training wheels on that bike, and, and they kind of go like this, and sometimes it'd catch in, sometimes it wouldn't catch in, some, all that kind of stuff. But, but it's a chore. The best way I found to teach my children to ride a bike was to run along beside them. I used to could do that. I'm really grateful God doesn't expect us as 60 years old to train somebody to ride a bike. Anyway, to run beside them was so important. And you know what you did all the way was you encouraged, ride it, ride it. Keep your eye on the ball, balance. That's what it's all about. Well, listen to this statement. I love this. When you're teaching a child to ride a bike, you should tell them these three things. Number one, keep your eye on the road. Number two, don't lean to the left or right. And number three, remember, daddy's right here. Now, if God's trying to teach us to be strong and courageous, that's what he's going to tell us. He's going to say, keep your eye on the focus, on the road. Don't lean to the left or the right. And remember, dad's always here. That'll preach. That's awesome stuff. So we should be strong and courageous. Number two in the to-do list is to be obedient. 
He says in verse 7 to be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Now, it was because of Moses' disobedience that he was not able to lead them into the promised land. Because it was the law that God set down to him, you don't, you, you speak to the rock. Moses struck the rock. He broke the law. He disobeyed. Disobedience will get you nowhere quick. So church, understand that. We want to make sure that we are obedient. What does that mean? Well, I want to talk to you a little bit. It doesn't mean to keep those 630 something laws that God was talking about. You know, he took all that and he boiled it down to what's the first and greatest commandment. That's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So did a little quick research on this part. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So you see that part's already taken care of. We don't have to worry about that anymore. So what should we do? We should pay attention to God's scripture, to God's word. I, I love John 1, 1 that says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And this first 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That talks a lot about obeying God's word, right? Who is Jesus? All right, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God's word is important, and we've got to be obedient to God's word. So, be strong and courageous. Be obedient. And number three, letter C, is be steadfast. Verse 7 says it, do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Now I can tell you, and you know this already, that there are all kinds of influences and forces and all that kind of stuff that's constantly pulling against us. You know, when somebody, um, I hesitate to say this because people sometimes don't like for me to talk about counseling, but when we're talking about counseling, many, many times when somebody comes to the counseling office, the first thing I do is kind of check out where is your spiritual relationship with Christ? What's pulling against you? What's pushing against you? What is the lie that you're trying to believe? What is God saying to you? Well, he says to us this, 1 John 1, 3 to 6, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. There's not a lot of room for interpretation. You just live like Jesus did. Don't lean to the left. Don't lean to the right. Do what the word says. It's just that simple. Now I'm going to tell you, I have found that I am not a person that can follow instructions very clearly. Now I'm not talking about Benita's instructions. I do okay with that. <laughs> I'm talking about those, that little, um, pamphlet thing that's so tiny that you can't hardly see it. You know, I've gotten to the point where when I pull out a, a list of instructions that tells me how to put something together, I have to take a picture of it and blow it up. That's how bad it is. Well, Benita gave me a metal detector for Christmas. 
I'm going to chase a rabbit for a minute and tell you why I got a uh, metal detector. Do y'all ever watch, where's Tim? There you are, Tim. You ever uh, hear the podcast Unashamed? The Robertson brothers, the duck call people. Well, Jace has a metal detector. And he has some stories with that medical detector that you would not believe. So if you ever see me poking around the yard out there, just trying to be a good Jace guy. Anyway, when I took the instructions out to put that thing together, you would think it would be really simple, especially when it says no tools. That means you've got to understand the instructions, right? Well, I'm in a mess when it comes to that, but I got to poking and prodding and snapping and almost breaking and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and I finally got it to run, and it wouldn't run. Oh, yeah, batteries. So I'm not real good when it comes to following instructions, but God's instruction is this. He's written it down, but he's also said it to us through the life of Jesus Christ. All we have to do is to be a Jesus follower. So he says uh, to be strong and courageous, to be obedient, be steadfast, and be consistent in the word. He says in verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. I have found many, many times that when people come to me and they have an issue and they have a problem and, and whatever the case may be, if I can quote scripture to them, not because I'm trying to be all holy and kind of stuff like that, but simply because I want them to understand what God has done. He's already got this. If I walk up to you and I say, oh, don't worry, God's got this, I'm not brushing you off. I believe that with everything within me, that God's got it. He created, if you're sick, he created you. He knows what's going on in your body. He knows every hair or on your head, or he knows if there are only two or three. But God knows you. He's got this. Don't worry about it. So just be consistent in the word. And remember, it's not the word and. How many pastors have I run across that love to preach from the Time magazine or the People magazine or this textbook or that textbook? It's not the word and. It's simply the word. It's not the word and. It's simply the word. We're also to be fearless. Verse 9 says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. And I love that because sometimes I'm get, I get afraid, I just really do. And so 2 Timothy 1.7 has said to me, we should not be afraid nor be discouraged because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And folks, we find ourselves right now without a pastor, but we've got perfectly good leadership. We've got a man coming in next week that, that is going to preach and preach and preach, and you're going to love Larry Wynn, but we've got a whole bunch of capable people that can preach anytime. They're ready to preach, pray, sing, or die at a moment's notice. Don't you ever sell them short. I've watched them. So, be fearless. Don't be afraid. Let's go over that to-do list again. Be strong and very courageous. Be obedient. Be steadfast. Be consistent in the word and be fearless. Now that's a pretty good list, wouldn't you think? I think it is too. So now that, let's look at the promises of God very quickly. 
Number one, he said, and this is a promise, he said, I will give you this land. Now that's not too shabby, is it? What did, what did he mean, I will give you this land? Well, let's go a little further. He says, verses three and four, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. What does that say to me? That says to me, well, I should be uh, just walking. I should be treading all over Union County. I should go out there with no reservation. I should go out there with no fear. I should go out there knowing that God has told me that wherever my foot lands, that is the opportunity he's going to give me. That is the, the promise that he's going to give me. We cannot sit in the four walls of this church and expect God to bless us. We got to get out there and walk around. We got to get out there. Amongst, are you listening to me? The addicts, the prostitutes, the alcoholics. I could go on and on and on. I used to tell my congregation all the time, and you know, I'm going to tell you this today, because you can't fire me. Here we go. The deal is this. If you don't have a homosexual or a prostitute or an addict or an alcoholic sitting next to you in your pew, you are not doing your job. Oh, me. What we do is we turn our noses up. Serve me, God. You want to watch a church die? You take on that attitude and we'll die quick. So the promises of God are, I will give you this land. So let's walk. Okay. No one will be able to stand against you. Because of that promise, I can fearlessly go out and share my testimony. Absolutely. That's what it says in verse 5a. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. All the days, not some of the days, not Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, not Tuesday and Thursday, all the days. So take heart. Go out there and walk around in the name of Jesus for God's sake. Share your testimony. You're going to mess up from time to time. If people are looking for you to be perfect, that's not your problem. You just be obedient and go out there. And he says, no one will be able to stand against us. Now, here's the next promise in this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I like that. As I was with Moses. So I just stopped and asked myself a simple little question. How was God with Moses? When he was born, they were killing male babies. God put him in a basket in the river and had him discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. Okay? God had a covering over him while in Pharaoh's home. Okay? God spoke to him through a burning bush. Oh, yeah. God spoke to him through the plagues. Yes. God held back the waters and allowed them to cross over on dry land. You talk about being between a rock and a hard place. And that's how God was with Moses. Oh, Al, Pastor Fred's gone. I don't know what this search team's going to do. I'm about to panic. Oh, no. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And please understand, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun. I, under, I understand that people get anxious and, and those kind of things. But 
Our faith is not in a God that only knows how to change traffic lights. Our faith is in a God that created all this beautiful place. Our faith is in a God that held back the rivers. Our faith is in a God that allowed Jesus to go to a cross to take the punishment for my sin. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then he tells us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I like that too. What do you mean? Just what he said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now let me show you something. God never left Moses. God never left Joshua. If you go ahead and read through the rest of the the book, you'll find where God was always there for them. But he's told us as well that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So just when you're feeling lonely, remember that God's got you. God's got you. Matthew 28, 20 says, when Jesus, when Jesus commissioned us, he said this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How long is always? Always. <laughs> the very end of the age, that's what he means by that. But not only will he not leave me, I cannot get away from him either. I don't care how hard you try. I see folks that are running and running and running and running and running and they think they'll never get caught, but I have, I have news for them. They're not running from God because he's there. What do you mean? Psalm 139 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Surely, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. Oh yeah. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. So there we go. End of sermon. Are you panicking? Are you upset? Are you wondering what are we going to do next? Please don't. Just know that God's got you. We, we have a few things we need to do. We need to be obedient. We need to be strong and and not discouraged, and we, we need to stay, uh, be steadfast in the Word, consistent in the Word, and we, we need to do all those things and call on God, but we don't need to panic. We don't need to worry. We simply need to trust God and those He has in leadership, because folks, if they, let me tell you something about that. If you feel like you can't trust people in leadership, remember this. God put them there. And God can take them out. And I say that from personal experience. So what should we do now? Here's your invitation today. Okay, we're not going to have an evangelistic salvation type invitation today. If you feel like you need to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come to me after the service. Or Brother Derek or Brother Eric or, or Brother Ed or, or any of these guys around here. And we'll be glad, more than glad to help you and introduce you to Christ. Here's your invitation today. To respond 
to what you've heard. Now, very quickly, I want to share with you the people's response in this scripture, verses 16 to 17. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. The people's response there was amen and amen. I want to encourage you as the people of First Baptist Church in Blairsville, Georgia, on the first Sunday of a new year, to make a commitment along with me to do those things and to watch God work. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to come and lead us in a moment of invitation. You know, when I said something earlier, you know, we can't just sit around and expect God to bless us. We have to be active. We have to step up. We have to make a commitment. My challenge to you today is if you would stand with me, our staff, our deacons, our search team, as church members of First Baptist Blairsville, I'm going to ask you to do something. Step out. Step out. And I want you to make a move towards this altar. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. Just want to see that you have a commitment, a very visible commitment to this church and to God Almighty. Let's pray, and, and as soon as we pray, Ed's going to sing for us. I don't want anybody else singing. I want you thinking about what is your commitment to this church and to God and what he wants to do. And this altar is open, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I expect if we're listening to God that this altar will be full, that these aisles will be full. That's not something for me. That's something for you before God Almighty. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Lord, thank you for what's very, very difficult, but still a tremendous challenge in our lives. Lord, we've got to do this shoulder to shoulder. We've got to do this with our heads down, other than our focus being totally and completely on you, God Almighty. You've made some big, big promises to us, Lord. And they're promises that we can count on. You are faithful and true to your word at all times. Father, this morning, as we pause for just a moment, I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage us, that you would be the source of our strength, the source of our faith. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.